I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high-yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. I personally write the newsletter every single week. And what I include in the newsletter is everything that I think that business owners and investors should know, especially if they want to protect and build wealth during turbulent times. I've got a fantastic guest for you uh, in today's episode. Very excited to have him on the show. His name is Gene Trowbridge from Trowbridge Law Group. Um, Gene, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, MC. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a long time. I know that uh, uh, I've read your book and you've read my book and we've got... Uh, a good feeling for each other. So let's get right down to it and do something that's beneficial to your listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, just mentioned, I uh, want to mention this to my audience too. When I started looking into uh, proper entity setup and structuring and so forth, you were one of the book, first books that I read. And this, you know, this it's now in its fourth edition. So yeah. uh, it stood it stood the test of time. And it is available on Amazon, by the way, for folks um, that are still interested in lear learning more about syndications, real estate syndications. And that's going to be uh, sort of our conversation today. But before we get started, for folks not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with us? Well, MC, I've really had three careers in the uh, real estate business. Uh, the first career coming right out of college, I went off to be a commercial real estate broker where I listed and sold and leased uh, commercial properties in, uh, in Minneapolis, where I'm from, in the Twin Cities. And then um, in 1979, actually, I packed up my family and we moved to Southern California to get away from the snow and uh, went immediately into syndication. I had done a few syndications in Minnesota where, you know, as you say, friends and family, yep. basically these were guys I went to college with and we raised, um, we raised some money to buy some apartment buildings. And so when I came to California, I thought I would jettison the brokerage business and go full-time into syndication. And I did that for about 20 years, MC. And then one day, through a number of things that, that have happened that it would take us too long to discuss. I went home at lunch and sat around the kitchen table MC with my wife uh, 50 years now <laughs> and where all the great decisions in life are made. And I said, you know, I think I'm done with this. I think I'm done with this raising money and putting deals together. I made some money. I've got six or seven years of revenue coming ahead. And I think I'll do what I always wanted to do for my last and final career. I think I'll go to law school. I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get out of law school. I'm going to do syndication law. So I was 45 and I thought, well, I'll do that. And then at 60, I'll, uh, at 60, I'll retire. Well, it's been 27 years and I'm still, uh, still doing it. The only thing I do is uh, syndication law, federal syndication law I do all over the country. I may be based in California, but the federal law lets me practice everywhere so I can help anyone who has who has an offering, no matter if it's in Pennsylvania or Minnesota or when it, wherever we are. So that's uh, 
That's great. So that's that's what I'm doing. And why did I elaborate on that? Because all of that leads up to being a good mentor for people who want to be a syndicator. Because I've I've done the brokerage side. I know about the asset classes. I've done the syndication side. I know about raising money and all the securities rules. And now, as a lawyer, I can bring all that practical experience to uh, the table. And I find that's what attracts people uh, to me. So, so that's in a, in a not very short nutshell, MC. Oh, I appreciate that because that yeah, that's what it, I I'm attracted to folks that. Uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, I always joke and say they eat their own cooking without throwing up. <laughs> they they actually they're in the trenches because it's completely different. Uh, you know, when you have a lot of folks just theorizing about certain things and looking at things and, you know, kind of how it should be, but they haven't been in the trenches to actually see how you have to dodge the bullets and all of the pitfalls that exist and the actual experience that comes with it. All right, so let's, um, I know you th- you thought maybe I should, I might have a message for those of your listeners who are already in the trenches. Yeah, that's that's correct. And, and, and just to set the table, there are folks, and I've spoken to people in our community, that they are where, um, yeah, where Gene was at one stage, like, you know, getting friends and family in and partnering with folks. Uh, looking to to uh, set up a real estate business to grow and scale because they started small and now it's getting to a stage that they want to get to the next level. Um, and then we also have folks that they're ready for a downturn and they're getting uh, they want to get their ducks in a row. Let's speak to the first group first, uh, uh, Gene. I think that'll that'll be helpful. Um, when they're looking to take the next step now, the conversation start of what a syndication is. But I think it's a good place to to start of exactly because a lot of folks throw around terms and words. What is a syndication? What is a security and not a security? These are things that folks definitely have to be aware of in this world, correct? So absolutely, everyone needs to know that. But the the group of people who are just thinking about pooling money Mm -hmm. from people that they know, uh, they absolutely know that they're leaving the just simply the world of real estate and going into the world of securities. That's why the title of my book is, It's a Whole New Business, because it was really written originally for real estate people who didn't understand that when you start putting uh, two, three, 20 people together to buy something, you're not following the real estate laws anymore. You're following the securities laws. And just quickly, in common language, you're doing a security when you're raising money from other people you're putting all that money together in one enterprise, like an LLC or an LP to buy a property. And the investors are doing it because they think there's a profit. You've suggested that there might be a profit in this project, but they're leaving it up to you to do the work. So if you would, here's here's some words that you hear. They're all passive. You're active. You're doing everything. The fact that you're handling all the investors' money is something that the federal government is concerned about. And way back in 1933, they passed the first Securities Act, which was designed to protect the passives. We still operate under that law today. We have to give all the passives uh, full disclosure, and there are all sorts of rules that the active member, the sponsor, has to follow. So just remember, when you go out to raise money from multiple people, and you're doing the work, you're going to get paid, you're going to make the decision, welcome to the securities world. Now the securities world uh, has some rules. And uh, you kind of have to study that and figure out what the rules are. But MC, the biggest part of the securities world for private placements, which is what we're talking about today. We're not going to Wall Street and raise money. We're doing, yep. we're doing it privately. Um, in the last 12 months that the SEC reported uh, activity from that arena, uh, it was $2 trillion. $2 trillion was raised in, uh, in private placements. Now, 
A lot of that was raised by broker dealers who have their own databases and the Rolodex and all that, but still $2 trillion, that's more than was raised for new offerings on Wall Street during the same period of time. But what's important about that is 96% of that is gonna be raised the way this one group of people is gonna raise money. They're gonna go out to the people that they have a pre-existing relationship. And I'm using that term because it's a term of art. They have a pre-existing relationship with people uh, prior to bringing their offering to the street. And if they do, and those are the people they raise money from, they avoid going to Wall Street and having a full offering. Their offering is exempt another term of art. So if you're raising money from friends and family, people that you know with a pre-existing relationship, you can have an exempt offering and it's very, very easy to do. It's not time consuming and it's not terribly expensive and you're on your way. But just remember, the minute you say to your investors, well, I'm gonna do it all. Don't worry, I'm gonna do it. You've just entered into the securities world. That's, yep, that's great. And then um, there are there's a vernacular and terms. And as you mentioned, the two uh, two just words of art at the moment. But there are um, some vernacular and an and understanding of certain specifically certain uh, rules and laws. And what comes up usually is Regulation D and um, Rule Rules 506 uh, b and 506C. Maybe you can just shed some light on sure. that because I think those are very important to understand too for sure. uh, folks. The, um, the $2 trillion is raised in what's called private placements. And how do you have a private placement? Well, you stay away from the SEC. You have an exempt offering. And the rule to allow you to have an exempt offering is Regulation D. And in Regulation D, there are two parts. One part says, I'm just going to raise money from people that I have a pre-existing relationship with. And the other part says, hey, I'm going to go out and advertise and raise money from people I don't know at all. Now, as I said earlier, 96% of that $2 trillion is raised from people that you know. Yep. 506B. The advertising comes up in 506C. And in 506C, if you follow a certain set of rules, you can raise money from anyone, whether you know them or not. There's some verification uh, going on because you can only raise money from accredited investors. So it's a little more complicated. It's the next step. And when, when we talk to the next group of people, I've got some words to say about, about that in a minute. But if you're going to get started you're going to do a 506B because the people who are going to invest with, with your listeners, MC, are people that your listeners, that know your listeners. You're not going to find people who don't know you who are going to uh, send you a $50,000 check. It's not going to work until you have a track record. Right. And you don't have a track record to get started. So you're going to raise money from the people that, that you know that, that uh, know that you have some experience in the real estate business. And by God, if you're, if you're going to do an investment and you're going to make uh, an opportunity for me to invest with you, that sounds like a pretty good deal. And I'll turn, give it a try. I want to recognize one of our sponsors, Penumbra Solutions. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions at CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. Now, when it comes to the um, the five hundred six C with the, with the advertising, sure. 
What are some of the things that, you know, best practices and then some of the biggest mistakes that you see folks make in that area, too, because it gets it gets a little muddy sometimes on that end. Well, let's we really have to move into the another group of people because okay. I'm going to give you my best legal advice that's free is yep. don't do a 506C unless you have a track record because you're yep. in, because it's marketing wise, you're not going to be successful. So if you have done a few deals and have a track record, there's a possibility you can go to the market and advertise and raise money from people you don't know because you can sell your track record. And actually, the rules are much more simple in a 506C. You can have as many accredited investors as you want, only accredited investors. You have to have a third-party verification process that they are accredited because you don't know them. You can raise as much money as you want. And you need to put together some documents. You need to put together the private placement memorandums to give to the investors. But other than that, you can advertise anywhere, anytime. Just just don't be fraudulent. Just don't, don't tell lies. So that's easy. But for those of you who are out there who've done a deal or two and think you have a track record, but maybe your database of investors is getting worn worn out from hearing about you and you need new investors, you might do a 506C offering. And there are two ways that today uh, my clients are, are doing that. They're stepping up to 506. One way is just simply to come out with a 506C offering, advertise the hell out of it, and take a lot of people's names. You get names from people they may not be accredited. You don't know because you're just advertising to the public. There's no limit on who you can advertise. You can advertise to anyone. But people will come have a system where they're going to sign up with you and come into your database. And then you make a relationship with them. And sometime in the future, you come back and do a 506B offering with all these people with whom you have a pre-existing relationship who may not be accredited. So it's a great way at the right time to build your database. But the most recent thing that's happening, MC, is a combination of a 506B and a 506C in the same offering. Not for the faint-hearted, and and of course, in all this stuff, you you have to have an attorney. But the way we do it in our office is we write the offering documents, the private placement memorandum and the operating agreement, and we tell the people up front, we're going to start raising money from people that we know. We're going to start in a 506B. So you raise money from people with whom you have a pre-existing relation. And then at some time, you actually stop that 506B portion of the offering. And what we have to be definitive about it and take some action. So the action we take is we send the SEC a form, a form D, that tells them we're no longer doing 506B in this offering. We have now started 506C. And from that point on, you can advertise, you can take people in, you have to verify that they're accredited. And so you come up with an offering that has both uh, your pre-existing relationships and your new relationships. And we find that in today's market, there are a lot of people who think they've, they've worked their, their database pretty strong and they need some new people, but people with whom they have a pre-existing relation don't want to do a third-party verification if they're accredited. They just want to check the box. So right. let's get them first and then let's go off to 506C. So that's probably my most up-to-date bit of wisdom for the people, but be sure you talk to your attorney uh, as you're getting that set up, so you do that uh, correctly. And then some where this uh, kind of comes into, as you mentioned, the second group of folks, because there's a lot of people right now trying to establish like a fund structure so that, you know, they understand that, um, in, you know, in their view right now, where we are in the market cycle. So they're preparing to capitalize on opportunity. So and I've seen this quite quite a bit, too, where a lot of folks have now put these funds together 
Uh, what are some of the things that just from a 30,000 foot that folks should know about, uh, you know, some of the. Well, absolutely. You know, the, there's there's one thing, one overriding factor with the fund, and it has to do with your ability to market it. It's nothing to do with the securities laws. It's easy to write an op- uh, a document for a fund. You just have to have a business plan. Yep. And I will write fund offerings for my clients after they have written a business plan. Yep. Um, I can't get started until they write the business plan. So it doesn't help them to sign the fee agreement and pay me up front. I need the business plan. I need to see what it is. And the business plan becomes your marketing. You know, the paperwork is pretty benign. It's pretty straightforward. Hey, MC is going to do a fund and read the business plan. Yep. <laughs> Attached as exhibit four. But here's the number one thing. You'll never raise any money unless you have a track record. So if you've been doing self-storage all along, and now you do want to do a blind fund where you don't know any of the properties that you're going to buy, but you're just simply going to raise money from investors, you better be telling them you're going to buy storage facilities. This is not the time to go to mobile home parks or apartment buildings. You won't raise any money because that's going to be based on your business plan and your track record. Without a business plan, without a track record, you'll never never raise any money. So that's the number one thing. So I guess the answer is don't do a fund before you're ready. Now, you don't have to have a 20-year track record but you have to have something that's saleable. And I don't know what that is to tell you the truth, but, but I, when I read it, I, I understand it. Right. Yeah. I know what a good track record is when I read it. Yep. And, and our listeners are the other side too. That's my answer is don't, I mean, the the securities rules are just the same. It's just as easy to do. uh, But boy, if you don't have a track record and you don't have a business plan, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. And we're all about educating all of our listeners. So there's many people looking for investments, too. And we, you know, we always talk about how crucial it is to do your due diligence on operators and look at their background, their track record and so forth. So, yeah, I I appreciate you hitting that home. So if you're listening to this and you're, you know, chomping at the bit to get started and, and set up a fund and all that kind of stuff. You need to build up a track record um, or you need to partner with someone that has a very, very good track record. Uh, a mentor. Yeah, another thing forth. that I, excuse me, another thing that I think is important, I haven't used this word, it's another term of art, a sophisticated investor. A yep. sophisticated investor is, is you're either accredited or you're not. And then if you're sophisticated, you can invest in a 506B. But sophisticated means you know enough about what's going on mm-hmm. that you can read the documents and make a determination for yourself if the risk is acceptable to for you and if you know what's going on. So my concern is with my sponsors who've been doing uh, multifamily, and now they're going to jump into mobile home parks, which is kind of common. If all the investors they've ever had have only invested in multifamily, who educates the investors about mobile home parks? I, and I don't think that the sponsor has the capability of investing in educating their database on mobile home parks. So we need to go out and find people who are like you, and you probably know people who who do education on mobile home parks, who do education on self-storage, who do education on whatever it is. And these people need to go out and educate themselves and and. My comment to sponsors, if they change asset type, uh, the definition of a sophisticated investor comes back maybe to bite them in the rear end. And uh, the problem is, if the deal goes bad, the person says, well, I didn't know anything about mobile home parks. Okay, you're supposed to be sophisticated or accredited. So what the heck, you know? Yeah. And that's why we try to bring as many folks from different niches on there to just share ideas uh, and educate folks through our podcast on different Mm -hmm. asset classes that are there. But you need to, if you're listening to this and you're an investor, that's where you you need to be accountable and responsible and immerse yourself, learn whatever you need to learn. Because, you know, 
we we've shared this many times on the show. You never put your money in a single investment that you don't understand um, no, what it is, sure. what it's supposed that's to do, sure. and what it's supposed to do for you, and where it fits into your strategy. And I don't think the the sponsor should. The yep. whole other side of the coin of it. Where did you learn enough about mobile home parks? Yep. So all of a sudden, tomorrow, to put together a fund of mobile home parks. I I'm real uh, active in some of the people that train people in mobile home parks and. One of the training episodes I went through was an, uh, a uh, a tour of a manufacturing plant that builds coaches. Man, if you don't know what's inside of a coach and you're buying a park and you're taking ownership of all these coaches, uh, you're much you're much riskier than you think you are. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. One of the wealth strategy secrets of the ultra-wealthy is that they make more income and grow their net worth every year and legally pay less in taxes. They also grow their capital when markets go up, down, and sideways. They grow their capital in economies that grow and boom, and in economies that are in recessions and even depressions. If you are a high-income earner and trying to figure out how to legally reduce your taxes while receiving cash flow and growing your capital, Pantheon Investments have a great opportunity right now. By leveraging Pantheon Investments' holistic wealth strategy and its exclusive relationships, you can access an opportunity right now in oil and gas. This opportunity will help W-2 earners to legally reduce taxes, generate cash flow, and grow their capital. This exclusive opportunity will also position you to be on the right side of rising oil and gas prices. This is a limited offering available to accredited investors only. To learn more, go to CashflowNinja.com forward slash Pantheon. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N. Yeah, and that's why the, the, if you are a um, if you are a passive investor in this, a limited partner, you know, your job is to, I mean, it, there's, there's no easy road, right? There's no get rich quick. There's no easy road to building wealth. It, you need to be accountable and responsible. Do your research. Find the best operators that do all these things that Gene talk about. So you need to be accountable, accountable on that side too. And of course, you know, the, the operator uh, on the, and the sponsor on the general partnership. I mean, that's, you, if you're going to take money from anyone, you really need to know uh, everything that you need to know. You need to be a cash flow ninja in that space. Yeah. You know what, what's, what my favorite phone call is, is, uh, MC calls me and says, you know, hey, I've invested in 27 deals as a passive, and now I want to be a sponsor. I just kind of let that comment die, give us a good space of dead air, and come back with, why? (laughs) Why would you want to be a sponsor? If being a passive investor is working for you, stick with it. I mean, uh, you know, maybe you're tired and you're looking for a new job, but you do two or three deals and you have 100 investors, you've got a full-time job. You need help. You need more staff. You need another desk. You need another telephone. Uh, and, and you know, the, the magic here, MC, is the sponsor has the money. The sponsor has a fiduciary duty to the clients to manage the money, probably better than the sponsor manages their own money. And that's the standard to which you're held accountable. Why do you want to take that uh, risk? As I said, I I got out of it at a point of a time. I had been through the 78, the 86, the 91, the 94. I've been through all the crashes. And uh, this business is always good. People need to invest. People need to buy apartment buildings People need to build office buildings. People need to invest. There's always a shortage of housing, if nothing else, uh, because there's not enough single family housing being built to take care of all the households that are being formed out there. So that's fine. But my last year, 
I sent out 1,867 K-1s manually. In those days, there were no companies that would help me do that. And so I'm licking stamps and folding envelopes. And I came to a point where I had to grow. There were some challenges in my business that was going to make me have to maybe raise twice as much money in each offering Yep. to continue to have credibility through the broker-dealer community who was raising the money. And I just said, you know, that extra risk, I've had it. It's a good run. I'm going to do something else. I didn't realize I was going to do it for so long, but it's an easy, it's an easy job. And this, this, um, this brings up a, a very good point too, because, you know, when you just mentioned that, you know, I've invested in 30 passive deals and now I want to be on the general partner side. Uh, see that quite a bit. And what folks don't, and they have to really understand this too, that you actually have to be actively involved. So some folks might say, hey, I know a bunch of folks. I could probably raise some money um, and participate as a, as a GP. That's a very, very, uh, there's a lot of pitfalls there. You actually have to be doing something, working in the business. Maybe you can just uh, speak to that. Well, it's your responsibility. Like I said, yeah. you have a fiduciary duty to your investors to manage their money. So if something goes wrong and you're sitting in front of the judge, and the attorney on the other side says, well, Mr. MC, is it true that you really didn't do much? You kind of passed it off to a property manager and, and uh, that it wouldn't be the question. The question is, you really didn't do much, did you, Mr. MC? Sir, <laughs> <laughs> no. And you're, you're dead. So it, it really is a difficult uh, situation for you. And don't, uh, don't try that. And surprising how demanding it gets. As I said, you do three deals with 25 or 30 investors on each deal and you have 100 investors. And all of a sudden when I got through, I was I had 850 investors roughly who invested on an average in three deals. And uh, uh, that's a full-time job. I really think that the syndication business is much more about managing the people than it is the real estate. You can find a property manager you can hire a broker to do the leasing, but you have to manage the people. If the people have a question, they don't want to talk to some assistant, they want to talk to you. So yep. it is, a, it is a, a risky business, full of rewards. I think it's great. That's why I've been in the business so very long and, and take pride in, in helping as many people as I can get in the business because we need good operators. We need good operators so that the passive investors can invest in real estate because you know MC. Many many people don't have the money to do this themselves. They don't have the education. They don't have the time. So they really need good operators to help them help them invest. And that's that's a wonderful a wonderful to career to set off on. But run it as a business. It is a business. And take it very very serious when you take money and raise money from. Other investors, as you mentioned, I, th- I just want to drive that point home again. It's it's an incredible responsibility. And as you mentioned, ma- you should be managing that, that money better than you would manage your own money. Um, Let's and add to- one point to that that I yep. haven't mentioned. The securities laws are a criminal statute. That probably emphasizes the point. So if yep. you screw up, you can go to jail. Not everyone goes to jail. But, you know, as my wife said, why would anyone have ever invested with the guy whose last name was made off? So, so, you know, that's the biggest example in in probably our recent history of someone who who, uh, didn't follow the securities law and uh, ended up going to jail and actually dying there. So uh, be careful. Yeah. And especially. there's, we have market cycles, right? So I know there's a lot of folks get, that get very excited about this because they've seen a run from 2011. I mean, almost right. you know, over 10, 11, 12 years, they've seen an incredible run and everybody lo- has looked incredibly smart, <laughs> you know, when, when, when markets just continue to, to, uh, to go, to go up and do well, a rising tide uh, lifts all boats. Uh, but you you got to be careful, and that's why also for investors on the investment side of it, 
you know, if you're looking for operators, this, I mean, caution, this is the, this is where you need to be cautious. You need to do your homework. You need to look, look at track records. And I've shared many times in the show, it helps also to uh, be in projects with folks that have been through a downturn, you know, because I've looked at this run over the past 10, 10 years, and you've seen many of these cycles, Gene, but 2008, 2009, it was bad. It was, I mean, there was stuff in in the real estate business. It, it, it's, it's a completely other side of the coin. And folks just need to be aware of that. It's people that whose lives are being destroyed, that are hurt, all that kind of stuff, because markets go up, down and sideways. So be cautious. And of course, you know, if you're raising money, manage it better than, than, than your own money. Follow you know, the I, th- I think MC that the last time that I felt that there was a, a drive for doing funds for doing blind pools was at the beginning of COVID. Mm. A lot of people said, Oh my gosh, people aren't going to be able to pay their rent. Uh, yeah. People are going to lose their properties. Never materialized, never materialized. In eight, nine, and 10, the reason that there was blood in the street is on one particular day in August, all of the uh, mortgage backed securities financing left the world. There was no financing. Yep. And that's what I'm worried about today. I have a lot of people who are going out and buying properties, and let's talk multifamily on bridge loans. Maybe three years with two one-year extensions. Well, that's fine. But what happens at the end of five years if there's no financing? You know, and everyone thinks, oh, well, we'll we'll have financing. Well, there are two periods of time in the marketplace where there is no financing. And that's when it's a great opportunity to buy properties uh, because they can't get financed. And to think that you're going to go to the bank that has the current loan on your property, and they're going to refinance it at the end of five years, you're mistaken. The bank does not want that loan bank. The bank is not the last uh, place for refinancing. The bank wants someone else to make a loan on that property and to be done with it. A good banker underwrites the property now and then underwrites the property five years from now and says, okay, five years from now, this is what we think the NOI will be. This is what we think the interest rate in terms will be. Will this property be refinanceable? Because we don't want to be left there in a foreclosure uh, position. So that's going on today in the refinancing market. In fact, the financing market is crazy today, but that's going on. So I think you have to be careful. And I think an investor should be careful. There's, there's nothing wrong with getting a nice uh, you know, 20-year loan due in 10. Uh, that's nothing wrong with that. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, Producers Wealth. If you're interested to set up your infinite banking policy correctly and have access to a coach that will help you use your infinite banking strategy to grow your business and your investment portfolio and having your capital work in more than one place simultaneously and protect your capital from market downturns, taxes, predators, and creditors, you can watch a presentation of exactly how you can do this at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. And to your point, you know, real estate is dead. That's why we always share with folks, there's a lot of different areas that you need to be aware of. Even as a real estate investor, you have to look at the debt markets, study the debt markets, study what's going on around the globe. You know, just as you would study the economy and the markets that you're in. Yeah, the debt market is the biggest investor in real estate, not the equity market. Yep. If you just say, okay, every loan is 60, 70% loan to value, well, who's the biggest player? Debt. Yep. So you better follow what's in what's going on. I used to think when I got in the business that this business of syndication was going to be counter-cyclical to financing. If we had a lot of financing and easy money available, no one was going to do syndication. Not true. When there's no money available, it's very hard to get money. Um, 
everyone wanted to jump in and do it. Well, not necessarily true. Yes, financing is important, but we still need to provide housing. We still need to provide storage. We need still need to buy mobile home parks. My, my guess is anything that's tied to residential use of real estate, and I think storage, a mobile home, and multifamily are all tied to residential real estate, there's always an imbalance of supply and demand. Yeah. No. Not so in the office building market, not so in retail. You know, so that's yep. where we are. There's okay, mega disruptive trends in that those uh, niches of, of retail and office space. Um, yeah, if the world is changing. Who knows? You know, it's funny. Uh, everyone says, well, we're going away from storefronts. We're not going to have storefronts. We're going to do everything online. I was walking down Michigan Avenue four or five months ago in Chicago, downtown Chicago, and I walked in front of a store that was an Untucket store. I said, what? And I know that Untucket sells a lot of stuff online. And I looked and I think they have like 80 or 90 stores. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. When did they decide that they needed to come back to the walk-in store marketplace? And isn't that interesting? And at the same time, Microsoft closed all their walk-in stores and went totally to, uh, I just bought a new Surface and I had to do it totally online, which is very uncomfortable. Yeah. Very uncomfortable to me. So. Yeah, it, it's interesting for sure. It's interesting for sure. The, tra- uh, the trends play out and the, everything is constantly changing and it's changing really fast. So, and one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful folks is that they're lifelong learners. They're always studying. What are you uh, learning right now and studying and what's, what, what are you excited about? Well, I'm always trying to understand where the SEC is going next. And in the last five or six years, the SEC has been going toward um, making capital raising more accessible. 2013, the Jobs Act came out, which gave us 506C. Two years ago, they expanded the definition of accredited investor. And then just recently, they said, if you go, if you take an accredited investor into one of your 506C offerings and you get a third-party verification, you don't need to re-accredit that investor for five years. So the trend at the SEC is to promote capital formation. So I'm always interested in what, what, they're, what they're doing there. And, and not so much related to my business, I'm interested in, uh, in social media. Uh, because I'm not going to this that many live events. In fact, our firm... Our firm used to do a live event every month all over the country and uh, have a full-time meeting planner on my staff. And, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm taking advantage of opportunities like you presented me to be on your space. Uh, My YouTube channel is, and I've got the the address up there is vibrant. We're doing, uh, I try to do a new YouTube every two weeks and I'm, I'm not talking about products, but I'm talking about the syndication world. Uh, how do I get my message out to people who maybe don't want to go to a live event anymore? So uh, personally, I'm learning and my daughter is with me and she's 40 and she's very active in the, uh, in the social media world. And we're, we're trying to expand our market to people who never would see us or meet us if all I was doing was live events. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's just incredible times that we live in too. You know, we could uh, look at uh, <laughs> the, the world, um, the, our crazy little spinning ball of dirt, right? And we can well, look at all work. of the problems, but the opportunities mm-hmm. is incredible. Uh, there's there's just technologies that are available to us, which, I mean, previous generations couldn't even have dreamed of. To just For to- example, look at the screen behind me. Yep. Here's a presentation I'm ready to do. On yep. cash distribution. So this is called the Vibe, V-I-B. It's a Vibe board. And uh, I have my PowerPoint presentations done. It shows it on the screen. Yep. I can, uh, 
I can do this. I can film this, um, yep. put it on YouTube. It's amazing. And uh, if I really knew how to do it, I've got a pen that would let me write on it if I knew how to do it. Write on it. I could sit with you and we could design a structure of an offering. I could push a button and I could email it to you and you could print it out while we're doing this together. And that's that's what I'm going to end up knowing how to do by the end of this year. Awesome. Other than that, this is uh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's quite it's quite it's okay. quite wow. incredible. Okay. If you're listening to it, it's a very it's a very cool board uh, where uh, Gene has his contact information up, and um, yeah, it's it just it's a pretty pretty cool tool. Um, now, one of the questions I ask everyone, Gene, is because we talk a lot about investing, we talk about um, business, we talk about uh, finance, money, and so forth. But we also, um, you know, we we also talk about values, principles, um, leaving a legacy. So I always ask folks, if you weren't able to pass on any money to future generations, and you're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, uh, what would they be? Well, the first principle is you can't do this by yourself. You know, I have I've interviewed, I think, 37 of my clients and put the interviews in my YouTube channel. And I always ask them three questions. How did you get started? What do you think is going to happen in the next three years? And what one piece of advice do you have for rookies? And the answer to the last question is always the same. Don't try to do this yourself. So, yes, I guess if you have all the money you need in the world, then buy all the real estate you want. But no one has that. So you can't do this yourself. And by helping other people, you will help yourself. That's number one. I would say number two. Um, you need to have a balance in your life. And I'm always struggling with that. I always say, gee, if I spent a third of my time recreation and a third of my time with my family and a third of my time with business, I'd be in great shape. But I can never do that. You know, I try and I try and I always spend more time, especially with this virtual deal where my, my major office is now in the house. It's very difficult to quit work. Yep. It's easy to get up at five in the morning and go to work. So that's a challenge I have. And then the last, uh, the last thing I think your family is uh, pretty important. Um, Jimmy Buffett has a line in one of his songs that says uh, that the, the, the hero of the song says to Jimmy, you know, Jimmy, some of it's magic and some of it's tragic, but I've had a good life all along. So I think you need to be prepared for the ups and downs in your life. And all of us have had ups and downs. And one of the problems with being a syndicator, uh, MC, if I took, you know, 30 people into the next deal and told them it was going to be a 10-year hold, someone in that group is going to have a life-changing event. Yep. And I have their money. How do I deal with that? Well, I know how to prepare for that, and I know how, how we deal with that through the documents and everything, but that's something you think about. Yeah. What are you going to do? And I've had some life-changing events, and uh, some are good and some are bad, and uh, you, you just have to have a foundation. You know, what does Dylan say? May you have a strong foundation when the winds of change shift. Absolutely. Powerful, powerful stuff. Appreciate you sharing that. Uh, where can folks uh, reach out to you? Where can they follow you for our viewers? It's up on the screen behind Gene, but for our listeners, where can folks follow you? Um, where can they check out your YouTube channel and all of the different things that you're involved with and reach out to you if they want to start working uh, on syndications? A great place would be just to go to our website, which is trobridgelawgroup.com. That's simple. Um, my telephone number to the office is 949-570-1507. And that phone is answered all the time. If it's a call for me, they'll forward it to me. It's for my partner, Jonathan. They'll forward it to, uh, to Jonathan. Um, 
Our YouTube channel, I think, is a great resource, MC, and it's Trowbridge Law. We're always updating. We're always building and uh, uh, a lot of just flat out educational thing. And then the interviews are kind of interesting. So that's how that's how I think you can get a hold of me the best, MC. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I just want to plug your book. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, when I started reading and in, in, in my journey in education, it's on it's available on Amazon. It's called It's a Whole New Business. It's in its fourth edition, the how-to Bible of syndicated investment real estate, Gene Trowbridge uh, and Trowbridge Law Group. Uh, just want to plug that book again. I found it extremely valuable. I would encourage our listeners, if they're interested in um, uh, increasing their education and understanding of it, to check that out too. And it's available on Audible too. So um, we just wanted to uh, let my uh, listeners in my community know about that too, Gene. Gene, this has been an absolute blast. Really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, I knew about you before our conversation and uh, I have a lot of respect for you. So I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and uh, just providing so much value for all of my listeners and viewers out there. All right, let's do it again. There's all sorts of stuff we can talk about. Thanks, MC. Go out and have a great day. And thank you so much for all of our listeners and viewers out there for spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me on the show. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. Don't forget to sign up for, for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe. Until next time, live infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.